I really don't want to sound judgmental, and I don't want to sound angry, but I am angry. All that's gone on this last week is distressing. I was preparing uh, this message yesterday. I was out on my patio. That's If you've seen the little oasis God has given me on my patio, you know. It's like Hawaii back there to me. <laughs> so anyway, I go back there and I was preparing the message and uh, Rebecca came out and said there's been a mass shooting in El Paso. And, uh, you know, it was just, after just experiencing Gilroy last Sunday. And then this morning I got up early and I was going over my notes again and Rebecca walked in and said there's been another mass killing. And uh, I thought, she must think I don't know about El Paso. It couldn't be another, but it was, Dayton, Ohio. So these, this kind of thing is going on. And, and so in a sense, I really am angry, but I, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the power of darkness. Now I do want to this morning, as I said, I don't want to come across judgmental, but I do really want to challenge you to consider what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Some of you may not be followers, so listen along, hear what what Jesus says. But if you're a follower, I really want to uh, challenge you on that. Take that we take some time to really consider what being a follower is. In 1 John chapter 4, 4 verses 15 through 17, 1 John 4, 15 through 17, and if you're able, if you would stand with me. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. You may be seated. Father, I ask that you open our hearts, our ears, to hear your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words that would not get in the way of what you want communicated. Amen. I want to go kind of quickly through this portion of scripture, uh, just catching some highlights here as uh, I really want to talk about following Jesus and discipleship. Um, And in verse 15, it it talks about God lives in us. And uh, so as we have confessed our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he comes to live in us. And the thing that's so amazing about that is that is everything we need for eternity. Everything we need for eternity. 
because he dwells in us. And then it says, and we live in God. And it's kind of my impression that gets us, gets us through this earthly life. So there's an eternal life that we're prepared for, but we need preparation for the fact that many of us will walk on this earth for some number of years before we go to be with the Lord in eternity. And that's, that walk is called following Jesus. That's discipleship. It's during that time. So in verse 16, it says, we rely on God's love. God loves me. I love God. Everything's, in the first gathering, I said cool, but I don't think cool is a very cool word anymore. Everything's great. God loves me. And and then it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Now it's starting to get a little bit more difficult. Now it's just not what God's done for me. It starts to be about how I am to live. I'm to live in a loving way. And then in verse 17 he says, living this way completes love among us. Okay, wait a minute. I was, I was uh, okay with me and Jesus. But all of you, all of you, all the world, loving. Now it's getting complicated. Living in love is how we get eternal confidence. I have people all the time asking about their salvation. How can they be sure? And this is the scripture that tells about our assurance. If we're living in love, we can be assured of our salvation. So what does this love living in love look like? What does it look like to live like Jesus? Well, it says, the last line of these verses is, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. So that's what I want to talk a bit about here, being like Jesus, followers of Jesus. Coming to faith is a gift It's easy. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing. It's a gift of God. He gives us eternal life. What an amazing gift. But then walking afterwards, there are some demands. And sometimes we don't teach those or don't hear those. So I want to talk about that a little bit. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, those who were walking with him, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's interesting because uh, Jesus hadn't been crucified on a cross at this point. When we read it, we read into it all that we know about history. But at this point, these were, he was speaking to people raised in Israel under Roman control and they were aware of what crucifixion was. And it was not a pretty thing. It wasn't a gold thing hanging around your neck. It was a very brutal death. And so Jesus turns to his followers and says this thing to them. Deny yourself. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not real good at denying myself. So I'm just I'm being honest with you. That's a tough one. To take up my cross, the emblem of death and of suffering, and to follow him. This is what Jesus is asking of us. This is what discipleship is. This is what fellowship is with him, following him. Uh, It's not earning your salvation. It's in response to your salvation that he tells us, follow me. Uh, I have uh, two sons. My oldest son's named Daniel, which is not confusing at all because my name's Daniel, his name's Daniel, and his son's name's Daniel. So that keeps everything clear. At our house, just yell, Daniel, somebody will answer. (laughs) And uh, when Daniel was uh, a young, I I think he was probably 12, 13 years old, we got into a discussion about music. And I love music. Um, Now, we're we're a very diverse church here, and we try to honor that diversity. But I'm just going to tell you, the 60s had the best music. Uh, that, that, was, that was it. So you can believe what you want, but the 60s had the best music. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I, was, I was born in 1949. So I was a young boy in the 50s when rock and roll started. And I had an older brother. He was five years older than I am. And so he was listening to Elvis Presley and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was introduced to music like, you know, in the 50s. And then God granted me the favor to be in middle school and high school in the 60s. And just, I mean, the, the amazing music came out through the 60s was just phenomenal and I love music I absolutely love music and so I said to my son man nobody loves music like I do and my son who was born in 1972 not 1949 he hadn't gone through the 50s he hadn't gone through the 60s he hadn't even gone through the 70s really he wasn't conscious enough to go through he said I love music more than you do you know what throwing down a gauntlet is? <laughs> That's I, I thought, you know, there's no way, you, there's no way you like music more than I do. But time would tell. As it turns out, uh, I found out I was a mild, mildly devoted to music. Where he was fully dedicated disciple. Uh, I nibbled. He feasted. Uh, I dated music. He married music. You know what I'm saying? So he studied, you know, all the generations of music and and all the genres of music up until this very day. Now he produces and plays on music around the world because of the internet, you can do amazing things. But I realized there was a difference between being really dedicated to something and just kind of dabbling in it. And that's kind of the image I want you to have of discipleship. Jesus is not wanting you to dabble on weekends. 
with following him. He's not asking that it be a very simple thing. He's asking that you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, it's a, it's a fairly easy thing to follow him on Sunday from about 8.30 to, what time do we get out? 1.10, sometime in between there. It's when you get home. It's during the week. It's when you're with your family, when you're with your neighbors, when you're with your schoolmates, when you're with your uh, coworkers. That's when we find out who the disciples are. That's when we find out who really likes music. It's not just fitting him into our schedule. It's us denying our selfishness and following him. So what did Jesus say? What does that look like to follow him? In John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Simple. So what are his commandments? That would be a good thing to know, right? And he says in John chapter 15, verse 12, My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So I think it would be helpful then if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and I say I love him and I say then, if, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I said, okay, Lord, what's your commandment? And he said, love others as I have loved. I think it'd be a good idea that I figure out what that love looks like as I follow him. So I want to know who did he love? Good question today. There's some people I'm not happy with. There's some things going on. So who am I supposed to love? Oh Lord, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So as Jesus walked, he brought that love that the Father had for the world to everyone he came in contact. He showed respect and care for everyone. Now part of the problem we have today is we don't understand the difference between respect and uh, agreement or coming into agreement with something. So Jesus never compromised the truth or righteousness. Never compromised it. Lived a perfectly holy life and expected those around him to preach the same thing. But he loved everyone. We are under the misinformation that to love somebody, we have to agree with them. And that is not being a disciple of Christ. It is showing respect. And Jesus showed respect in ways that we, you know, we don't even think are radical now, but they were radical then. And I know Pastor Herman has, has spoken on like his dealing with the Samaritan woman. But talking with women, talking with the sick, touching those who were afflicted, uh, how he dealt with children, he showed love in 
every aspect to people that were not lovable. There's a uh, scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 15 through 13 that I won't take you there, but you can look at it later. It's about a Roman centurion that comes to Jesus and uh, brings a request to him. And Jesus cared for him. Now, this is a Roman centurion. You think we have political division in this country. They were an occupied country. Do you understand this? This was the occupying force. This was the enemy. And he came to Jesus with a request. And if you read through that, you find out Jesus met his needs, took care of him, showed him respect. The Samaritan woman, not only a woman, but a Samaritan, again, different beliefs, different systems of living. And Jesus not only talked to her, he cared for her, he presented the gospel to her. Everyone, everyone, now, where did he do this? I know who he, how he loved. He loved the whole world. But where? Everywhere he went. Now, it's, a, it's amazing to think uh, in his earthly time, I've traveled more than Jesus did. I've gone further. So it's not how far you go. It's not where you go. It's what you, go with, what you do with where you go to. And Jesus took everywhere he went, whether he was in the cities, and last week uh, we got a great teaching on building the city again. When Jesus was in the city, he loved the city. When he was in the countryside, he loved the countryside. He loved those people of the country. Uh, He even loved those on the water. Um, Now, I haven't walked on water yet, but if I get there, there'll be a challenge to see if I can walk on water and love at the same time. So what he's calling us is if we're going to be followers of Jesus and we're going to love like him, he's asking us to give respect and your abilities, your ability to care for others wherever you're at. Now, where are you at? For us, we're, we're usually, you know, we're at school, we're at work, we're at home. We're on social media. He said, you are Jesus in this world. Now the question is not to me, it's not whether you're Christ-like here on Sunday mornings. I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're Christ-like. The question I'm asking this morning is you are, are you Christ-like in your home? Are you Christ-like in your neighborhood? Are you Christ-like in your city? Are you Christ-like in your state? Are you Christ-like in your nation, in this world? Are you Christ-like in the media? Lord, have mercy. It's amazing what we can do and separate the love of God from when we feel like we're hidden behind uh, the media. As I told you, I'm not here to to scold you. I don't want to sound angry. But I do want to challenge you. 
You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. When you go on the internet, you have been bought with a price and you represent Jesus Christ in this world. When did he love? Whenever there was a need. Whenever there was a need, he was there to meet it. City, country, among friends, among the throngs, he was always there to meet a need. When he was with his enemies, when he was with his friends, he was there to meet needs. Now sometimes what we can do is we see the need is so great in this world that we can just dismiss it and go, there's nothing I can do about it. There's no, uh, poverty. I can't end poverty. Homelessness. Hunger. There's huge issues going on. There's violence that's going on. I can't take care of all that. But all God asks me to do is in the realm that he has put me in to be Christ-like. And, and if he takes me and makes me Christ-like and lets me respond to my family and my neighborhood and those I come into contact with like Christ and you do it, it starts multiplying out and we begin changing the world. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 40, it says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, and I think that's us, will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothing and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So wherever you have contact, that's, what, that's all God's requiring. He's a, he may ask you to go to some foreign country and be a missionary, but I know he's asked you to be a missionary where you're at. He's asked you to be Christ-like where you're at. And whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and do it as the Lord, rep representing the Lord to those. So you don't have... You don't have to go far to see needs. And you don't have to meet every need. You can just do what is within your ability. And I believe God will then open up even more to you. Um, Bill Gates has established a charity foundation that gives away uh, more than I will ever see in my lifetime. I'm not Bill Gates. I can't, that's just, you know, I'm not going to put together a, a billion dollar fund. Uh, can't do that. What can I do? What can I do? 
I can smile at some people. I can visit those who are in the hospital. There's, there's people I know. There's things I can do. So rather than dismissing by what I can't do, it's finding out what I can do. There were uh, two memorial gatherings over this last uh, week. Uh, one of our partners here, Heather Noon, and uh, one of Rebecca and I's close friend, uh, Judy. And it was, it was interesting as I was preparing for this message and uh, sitting in those and listening to uh, what friends and loved ones said, I realized that they had touched, both of them had touched hundreds of people, hundreds of people, by quietly being kind and generous and caring. They had touched hundreds of people. So you think there's nothing you can do. If you'll just be kind and caring to those around you, it'll change the world. Years ago, I uh, got the opportunity to speak. We were actually still in Mountain View, and I, I spoke on God's plan to change the world. And the way I look at it, uh, I spoke a few years ago, and it hadn't changed for 2,000 years before that, and it's still a good plan, even though it's three or four years old now. And that was, he said, the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. The good news about who Jesus is, about the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, about the, his death and his resurrection for us, that that was a power. And so sometimes we think, well, I'm not one of the greatest evangelists of all time. I'm not Billy Graham, or I'm not the... You don't have to be that. You don't have to. You just share the gospel. It's the gospel of the power. It's the power of God into salvation, as Romans tells us. It's not how you deliver stuff. It's who you are as you deliver it. Now, if you're living contrary to Christ, your message will fall right out of your mouth onto the ground. But if you're living Christ-like, it opens up ears and it's energized by the Spirit. And so that's the same thing. And he said, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation and go into all the world and love them. That would be powerful. It would change the world. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm distressed today. I look at all that's going on and I feel so helpless. And yet the Holy Spirit is telling me that I am not helpless we are not helpless in this situation. We have God, we have love, we have the Holy Spirit driving. We can change our homes, we can change our neighborhoods, we can change our communities if we will become followers of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 22, verses 50 and 51, there's a little story and I threw this in, I don't even think they've got the scripture, it came to me that uh, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and he was about to be betrayed. And it's an interesting little story, but the, the part that was interesting to me is uh, the guards come to take him away. Now, these are not f- friends of Jesus. These are the guards that come and they come. Uh, I'm sure I, you've seen the movies that I've seen. They probably had spears and swords and stuff like that. I'm their guard, so I'm kind of assuming that's dangerous, but 
I'll go ahead and do it. So they came to arrest Jesus. And Peter uh, doesn't know what to do. He's a follower. He's defensive for Jesus. And so he pulls a sword and he cuts off one of the servant's ears. Uh, And Jesus said, no, it's not going to be this way. Beautiful, beautiful. And he picks up the ear and he heals, restores the man. Now, what, what jumped out to me is that sometimes we think we have to, as it were, fight fire with fire. We think if they come with swords, we've got to respond with swords. If they come with slander, we've got to respond with slander. If they come with anger, we've got to respond with anger. And I think what Jesus was showing there is, no, that's not needed in the kingdom. He restored. He healed the ones who had come. He cared for and respected even those who came to arrest him. What a story. What a story of love. Do you think we're going to uh, get rid of hate by hating more? Do you think we're going to get rid of anger by being more angry? Please, please. God has given us, he's called us to follow him, to be Christ-like. I want to uh, pray for us, and I want to talk about the connection card. Uh, As I told you, I was actually concerned that I would get up here angry. Uh, And I didn't want to come across uh, bitter or angry at you, I, but I do really want to challenge you. Following Jesus is the most beautiful path through eternal life. Not just this life, but through eternal life. And so when he says, deny yourself, that's not denying something great. It's denying the emptiness of my own self and finding the fullness of who he is. In following him, in in loving others, I find myself satisfied. I find it a very satisfying life. As I said, with those two memorial services, you saw the effects of love and how their kindness had touched person after person after person. You don't have to be well-known. You don't have to establish a billion-dollar fund. All you have to do is love where you're at. Now, it may look different in different uh, situations. Uh, I, God gave me a smile. He gave most of us a smile. I'm not going to say everyone, but most of us he gave a smile to. And I have found th- that smiling at somebody in a grocery line or to the, you know, somebody when, it, when it's a distressful situation is an amazing gift you can give somebody. A smile. Now there's more than that. There's, there's smiles, there's, there's maybe taking food to somebody, visiting the sick. There's lots of things we can do that are not out of our reach. Judy, the friend that I was talking about, her, uh, she lived basically right at or just above the poverty line, which I guess in this area means she was made a few hundred thousand a year. No, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
No, but she lived uh, really at the poverty line and, and just barely made it. Had, finally had to leave this area, go to another state uh, because of the costs here. But even in her, with having so little, she went and made dinners for the homeless and she gave to those all around her, not from her abundance, but just from what she had and sometimes from what she didn't have. It was just, you know, and that's how you affect people. That's the testimony. So I don't know who these guys are who went and uh, shot up all these locations. But I do know there are some Christian people out there that are living and loving as Jesus did. And that's what I'm calling you to. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts. Even if we've been following you for decades, Lord, let us look fresh at what you're calling us to. Speak to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Move us. Lord, we want to be the church. We want to be the church that represents you that is Christ-like. We want to be the people that are known for their love. Lord, we want to be, be uh, spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus and your love. Grant that to us, Lord. Challenge us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.